Welcome to the Think Podcast, the show that tackles impossible questions from a biblical perspective with your host, Joel Sedekes. And now, get ready to think. Welcome to the Think Podcast with Joel Sedekes, the show where we tackle impossible questions from a biblical perspective to help you explain, share, and defend the Christian message. Well, in the days of the Protestant Reformation, many families developed the habit of catechizing their children, teaching them the basics of the Christian Welcome faith. The and we need to pause that. There we go. So, in, in the days of the Protestant Reformation, many families developed the habit of catechizing their children, teaching them the basics of the Christian faith. And while this used to be the standard practice for probably most Christians, the vast majority today grow up without um, their children ever going through a formal process of catechesis, other than maybe Bible stories in Sunday school, maybe the occasional VBS program. All these things are good. But if you weren't catechized as a child, could there be something that you are missing from your Christian worldview? And could the lost art of catechesis add something that you are lacking to your walk with the Lord? If you missed out on getting catechized as a child, it's not too late to teach yourself the basics of the Christian religion. And my guest today is going to teach us exactly how to do that. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and welcome my guest, Jordan Quinley. So Jordan, welcome to the Think Podcast, brother. And I think, you know what? You're muted. There we go. Let's try it again. Jordan Quinley, welcome to the Think Podcast. Thank you, Joel. I'm glad to be here. Yes. Uh, so Jordan, you are the author of the Redeemer Catechism. Uh, you grew up in San Diego County in a Christian home. Um, I know you've been on a spiritual journey yourself, but you graduated from San Diego Christian College in 2006, same year I graduated from undergrad. Okay. And uh, your degree is in English, and um, but today you're working as a paralegal. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. So, All right, so my, uh, my job has very little to do. Well, that, that's not entirely true. A lot of skills I learned come into play, so that, that, that's good. So um, you work as a paralegal. What's, what's the most exciting part of your job as a, as a paralegal there in San Diego? I'm not in San Diego anymore. Oh. Um, so there's that. I'm in uh, San Bernardino County. Um, Got it. For, for the uninitiated, how far is that from where you grew up? Uh, about two hours. Oh, okay. Not terribly far, but yeah, d definitely a different area. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as a paralegal, I work in, in mostly trust administration and, and probate. So, um, you know, that's after people die, uh, helping people who are taking care of the things that the deceased owned. And that can be a very stressful time for them. Um, so one of the one of the most exciting things that I get to do is guide people through that process. For most people, they only do this once in their lives, and being able to help them administer the trust, um, people are very thankful for what we do on that side. 
uh, of it. So that's interesting. And you know, this was a job that opened up for me a few years ago. Actually, coming up on five or six years ago now, uh, that I had no prior experience with, but um, I I took this position, and God has allowed me to do this. So it's been a learning experience, kind of hands-on on the job as I went, but it's been it's been neat. Very cool. And you attend a church called Redeemer Fellowship, right? Is that where the name of the Redeemer Catechism comes from? No, not really. But I do attend that church. I, um, you know, I had I had thrown around some some various names for the catechism and redeemer catechism had a nice ring to it and certainly the the core um truth of the catechism which is the core truth of scripture is jesus christ and uh what god has done through christ for us and for our salvation and for his glory so redeemer catechism seemed to fit and so that's what I used. Very cool. Uh, tell us about your family, your church. Um, you know how how have things been for you over the last few months? With as we record this, if you're listening to it later, we're wrapping up. We, we I guess we've wrapped up the third month of lockdown, at least in Illinois. Uh, what's it been like for you and your family and your church during these last few months? Well, it's been interesting, as it has for everyone. Um, my wife and I have been personally fortunate in the sense that we've both been able to work basically through the entire ordeal. Um, when uh, our, our governor here in California, Gavin Newsom, um, first issued a, a lockdown order, um, I, I think in uh, late March or early April, um, the word at our office was we're going to have to have people furlough and not come in until further notice. But I got a call the following week that said the lawyers, I work for two lawyers, uh, had gone over the, uh, the governor's statement and that uh, our office was considered essential because it was legal services. So I was able to go back to work and I was very thankful for that. My wife works from home and started doing that before COVID-19 began. So she has also been able to continue working um, full-time, as have I. So we've been really, really thankful for that. Yeah, very cool. It's nice to be essential, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got to tell you, that is just, um, that's kind of the luck of the draw. Right. Uh, for me. Well, very cool. Well, let's jump right into talking about your catechism and you know i know what a catechism is as as you and i have discussed a little bit via email uh, i've written a catechism as well but why don't we just start here what is a catechism so a catechism is a um a fancy and kind of a funny word for a list of questions and answers that center around a particular subject usually it's religious and um as far as I guess I wouldn't know, but as far as I know, catechisms are basically Christian, whether Catholic or Protestant, that ask questions about God and sin and salvation and all of the basics and provide 
answers, hopefully biblical answers to those questions. That's all a catechism is. All right. And why did you decide it was time to write a new one? That is uh, a that's, that leads to a pretty good story. And I don't know um, how deep you want to go, but it has to do with um, my spiritual journey, uh, my uh, learning, whatever you want to call it, um, ever since the early 2000s, um, beginning with uh, discovering Calvinism, first of all, just predestination, and finally coming to the realization that the Bible did teach that, and then um, wanting to find a church that upheld the doctrines of grace in higher regard, discovering Reformed theology. Yeah, in, in a.k.a. A, the five points of Calvinism, for those who don't know, doctrines of grace, five okay, points yes. of Calvinism. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Uh, discovering Reformed theology in its more fuller sense, uh, although uh, remaining Baptist uh, the whole time. Um, oh, so, so you were never capital T, capital R, truly Reformed then if you were still a Baptist. <laughs> right, the TR, totally Reformed. No, I was not. And, uh, you know, it's funny because um, I did attend a uh, PCA, Presbyterian Church, for a couple of years um, around 2000, probably nine, 10, um, which was a very good church and I appreciated the church, but I was kind of the resident Baptist and had some interesting conversations there. Um, I, I even taught uh, high school, Sunday school there um, in rotation with some other teachers, Really, but I could never teach about, oh yeah. And, and uh, one time um, we went through the Westminster Shorter Catechism as um, part of the Sunday school curriculum. So I got to teach on some questions. That was a lot of fun. Um, but I never bought into um, infant baptism. Uh, I looked I looked into that uh, while I was in there. There were some times when I kind of wish I did. I know that sounds funny because you should just be pursuing whatever the Bible teaches. But as kind of a being part of the in-group, um, I don't know. Like I, I, I kind of wish that I could be all in, but yeah, would have never... made life easier, right? Yeah, and also you'd be part of that because uh, I came from outside. I came from, in the sense that I came from a dispensationalist background and upbringing. Um, the college that you mentioned that I went to was uh, dispensationalist in its theology. In fact, co-founded by Tim LaHaye. For anyone familiar with Tim LaHaye. Yeah, so definitely dispensationalist, hardcore um, at that college, and I was I was all in on that, and uh, basically thought that the only way that you could uh, read the Bible, and um, you know, literally, and and if you really took it seriously, you'd have to be a dispensationalist. But uh, that was one of the things that that changed as I learned more over the years. So. Um, for a while then, I considered myself a Reformed Baptist. and But I, I was discovering all kinds of things during this time and really starting to appreciate um, some of the things that go along with Reformed theology. 
including um, confessional standards and the catechism as a teaching tool. I never grew up with catechisms. I didn't even know what a catechism was. So that wasn't something that, that there was in my household. I had good Christian parents, but catechesis would have been completely foreign to um, our church life at that time. Um, in fact, it would have seemed odd or, or Catholic to me for a long time until I started learning more about Reformed theology and started really appreciating some of the traditions that they have um, because they're, they're well-founded. A lot of them are well-founded. Um, so for What's, a long time... So you didn't grow yeah. up with a, with a catechism? No. What do you feel is lacking in the life, in the spiritual life, Jordan, of someone who, like yourself, I didn't either, how would you articulate what's lacking in the experience or the walk of a Christian who didn't grow up with that? I mean, even if they grew up in a solid Christian household, Sunday school, all that stuff, VBS, what's lacking? What does a catechism bring to the table that would normally not be in the picture? Um, it brings organization. So when you are a Christian kid growing up in a Christian home, and you're you're churched as you should be and um you do fight vbs I, I did all those things by the way i did a wana for anyone who knows what that is um it's where you it was, it's a club you memorize scripture you you uh you play games you're also taught some other life skills i want is great nothing nothing wrong with that um but you learn the basics of the christian faith in a kind of scattershot way so you'll learn that you're a sinner you'll learn that jesus died for your sins um you'll learn about god and you'll learn uh bible stories um which sometimes aren't tied into everything else very well or clearly right um but so you're kind of putting it all together in a haphazard way, and eventually you 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 know, you know what the gospel is, but what a catech what a catechism offers is a um, is a direct method of learning the basics of the Christian faith in an organized way, and one that will often come to mind that. For people who who have a familiarity with a good catechism, those answers will often um, link themselves to other truths when they're listening to sermons uh, or having a, a a good theology discussion with a friend or whatever, um, because they are uh, succinct, they're in a particular order, and if it's a good catechism, they're true, and so they will begin slotting themselves into place as, you're, um, as you grow up as a Christian, your theology becomes broader and, and more integrated. Yeah, I like that word integrated. I think that's really great because you know, we talk a lot about the biblical worldview on our show, Jordan, and you know the word integrated is, is very applicable, I think, and that's what we need is we need integrity in our worldview. We need, we need a... Mm -hmm a view of 
the world and human experience that really touches on all and explains all of our experience. And as I was reading through your Redeemer Catechism, um, I was really, I really enjoyed it, first of all. And uh, I was just struck by how comprehensively it did address, you know, all these key core biblical doctrines, which if you understand them, if you believe them, will give you what you need in order to reason your way out into the rest of the world and um, and and your experience. I mean, knowing who God is, knowing mm-hmm. who Jesus is and why his incarnation matters is going to impact your view of you know your neighbor next to you. Knowing yeah. that Jesus commands you to love your neighbor is going to change how you view your neighbor. Yeah. And um, so I love that that word integrity. How let's get to the the meat of the discussion. The really the key question of this discussion is for someone who didn't grow up uh, catechized, or even someone. A lot of our listeners, I think, are maybe grew up in like the Catholic Church, so they may have been catechized, Jordan, but they weren't catechized. Um, let's just say there was a lot of extra stuff there and a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of things in there that aren't, aren't biblical. Mm-hmm. How can an adult Christian or someone who wants to study Christianity teach himself, give himself or herself a foundation of that biblical doctrine? What's the best way to approach that? How do you use a catechism as a tool for that? Um, wow. Well, you can you can certainly uh, incorporate a catechism into your self study. Yes, that's a that's a great question. That's a very large question. Um, you know, for me, I know that I have um, starting near the end of high school or so. I just I got really interested in learning more about my own faith and about theology. And for some people, that interest, even, even for people who even who love God equally, um, and are believers, a particular interest in theology varies from person to person. Um, right. You know, an interest in reading theology books or listening to theology podcasts. Um, but. Even just going to a solid Bible teaching church and attending week after week, year after year, is going to be very helpful. Um, and, but incorporating um, your own Bible reading, of course, and and uh, and then a catechism um, will supplement that. I think very powerfully. Um, of course, you, you have to be reading the Bible itself. You should be reading that on your own, outside of church, on a daily basis. Uh, because it's so, first of all, it's densely packed with wisdom. But the Bible's a long book. It's a big book. So, you know, you're not going to hit all of it once a week, if you do just once a week, that kind of thing. But there's there's so much there. But find good resources. Um, there are there's so much that's available to us now, especially via the internet, you know. Um, I don't know, but but just the love of God. I mean, the yeah. more you find out about what he's done 
and how wisely he's done it um, in in creation and our salvation, the whole plan of salvation, which um, is is expanded throughout the canon of Scripture from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Um, seeing how these things link together is fascinating, and it it just it increases your awe of God's wisdom and love. Right. So, yeah, get into Scripture. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I really enjoy about the Redeemer Catechism is how it lays out the relationship between the Old Covenant, you know, the Covenant, the Mosaic Covenant, mm -hmm. and the New Covenant, which you you even mentioned is also called the the Everlasting Covenant, mm -hmm. and how the old covenant was preparatory for mm -hmm. the new covenant. Mm -hmm. it, um, it, you know, it revealed the, and I, I mean, your, your new covenant theology really shines through, which of course I really appreciate. Um, but just the relationship between the old and the new. And obviously, you know, you said you could incorporate a, a catechism into that process. I'm with you. I think studying a catechism and studying the scriptures that are associated with each of the questions mm -hmm. is absolutely one of the best things that anyone can do. And I, that's another thing I appreciate about the Redeemer Catechism. You've got copious proof texts there. And, and I don't mean proof text in the way sometimes people use that to mean taking a verse out of context. I mean, yeah. you, you're supporting these questions and these answers with, um, you know, you can tell that you've been very um, uh, scrupulous in how you've poured over scripture to make sure that what you're saying is multiply attested through many different sources. Um, maybe you could lay out, Jordan, what makes the Redeemer Catechism distinct from some of the other ones that are out there? And you've alluded to it, you know, mm -hmm. you've, you've talked about it a little bit, but um, you know, when you were talking about why is it time to start a new catechism, but what makes your catechism distinct from, for example, the, the new city catechism of Tim Keller? Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, some like, like the Westminster that's been time tested for, yeah. Oh, no way. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. So for those of you who are listening, he just held up his copy of the new city catechism. Well, what makes the redeemer catechism different? Okay. Um, the, what makes it different and this ties into the reason that I thought somebody needed to write a new catechism, even though there are good catechisms already out there is is new covenant theology and um i guess that's something that your listeners are for the most part probably familiar with i would say assume that they're not we get listeners yeah. across the spectrum i would say um a lot of our listeners are probably relatively new to calvinism mm -hmm. i would say a lot of our listeners are very interested in apologetics and getting into theology yeah but and we've talked about the law of Moses. Um, I've talked about, I've alluded to new covenant theology, but I would say, assume that our listeners, especially a lot of our new listeners are not familiar with that phrase. You're going to have to uh, give us a little bit of a, just maybe even just a, a 30 second primer on, on what that is. Okay. Uh, let's see what I can do. Um, so, You know, I talked about how I started learning about Reformed theology, and it was like, wow, this is really deep. It's really rooted in the Bible. This is um, this is deeper than I had gone in uh, in 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 my previous um, view of of uh, 
the Christian faith and, and how all of the Bible fit together. New Covenant theology offers a view of how the Bible fits together, how the Old Testament and the New Testament fits together, like what the relationship to each other is. And um, let's see. So it, there are other ways of looking at it, dispensationalism and covenant theology, uh, which are more uh, well-known to people. And so basically, the question is, um, you know, what's the role of Israel? What's, uh, what, what's the place of the church? And what about the law of the Old Covenant, the Ten Commandments? Are we still supposed to obey the Ten Commandments per se? I mean, the Ten Commandments themselves as the Ten Commandments. Um, and so New Covenant theology looks at Scripture and tries to answer these questions using um, the New Testament's own uh, hermeneutical grid, or that is, what was the view of Jesus and his apostles in the New Testament of the meaning of the Old Testament and how it relates to what, what God was doing in Christ in the New Testament? And New Covenant theology says, well, the Old Covenant um, was meant to be temporary. And when we talk about the Old Covenant, that has to mean all of it, um, including the Ten Commandments. And Ten Commandments were the tables of the, of the Covenant, the Old Covenant. So those things have been fulfilled in what Christ did. Those were all awaiting and pointing towards the Messiah. They were fulfilled. They've been set aside. And the New Covenant is something that's actually new. It's just not, it's not just a, 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 um, a new administration of uh, a, a one covenant of grace, but it is a new covenant, a gracious covenant. And so the old covenant is, is over, and that means all of it, because the old covenant was a, a single entity. So that includes the Ten Commandments. Um, and that's reflected in the theology of Redeemer Catechism. So that's what's different about it, and that's why I felt that uh, a new catechism needed to be written. And um, for a while, I wanted to get some help on this um, because I, to be honest, I didn't feel qualified. Um, I'm not seminary trained. Um, and uh, I tried to elicit some help or some interest, uh, but eventually realized that maybe I could do this. And, um, and so I put this together. Who helped you with it? Um, did, you find, did you find some help? Nobody really helped me put it together. Um, but you had someone except proofread that, it for you or, or, or check it, didn't you? Yes. So um, once I had what I thought was a, um, a near final draft of it, I was able to talk to a pastor named Jeff Volker uh, over yeah. In-Depth Studies. And he... Jeff, Jeff is a New Covenant Theology Don. He's, 
He's uh he's what the kids call an OG of NCT. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he's yeah. In depth yeah, studies yeah. was one of the, those first ministries when I was first getting into New Covenant theology myself. By the way, for any of our viewers or listeners, go check out ids.org and um and look at the the ministry of Jeff Volker and uh, Paul Honeycutt is mm-hmm. is his uh, partner in crime over there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they're they're doing excellent work. So so uh, Pastor. Jeff Volker was he he provided some guidance for this or what was his role in that process? So he had a he had a pretty limited role, but I, what I was able to do was uh, tell him that. Uh, and by, by the way, um, Pastor Jeff is great because he actually puts out his personal phone number every time he does his podcast and encourages people to call him at home whenever. And he Incredible. likes talking to people who have questions. Yeah, um, I've talked to him two or three times now. And uh, he, I, I sent him a draft, and he looked over it, and um, came back with some suggestions. Talked to me on the phone, and we went over we went over each question that he thought he had some um, some advice about. And I took his advice and made some changes, and um, then finally came out with the final draft. Okay. Uh, and that's and that's what you sent over to me. That's that's what I read. Um, yes. Again, really appreciated it. But um, for for those who aren't familiar with, you know, well, well, look. Here's the thing. I catechize I, I, my own kids. Yeah. Um, I do it in the morning. We actually just made it through. We just finished all 100 questions of catechids, which is our uh, the catechism that I wrote. So all the kids have now done that, except uh, Josephine, our two-year-old she's she kind of you know imitates the sounds you know but she's not quite there yet but um for those of us who are adults jordan what is the best way to learn i mean do you do you memorize it do you repeat it do you um you know do you try to internalize it just what's the best way to use the redeemer catechism as a valuable tool how do we get the most out of this device what what do you recommend to folks uh Read it over and over. Okay. Um, to be one honest, one question at a time. All of it together. One sec, because there's, I think, four sections, right? So. Yeah, I've divided it into four sections. Yeah. Um, you know, to be honest, I'm not a real expert on the process of catechesis. No, man, you got it. You're the expert today. You got to know. You got to. <laughs> I tell you what, just come up with a method. We'll call it the the Quinley method, and uh, and we can debut it right right here right now on the. Uh, on the show, I'm just I'm kidding with you, but but no, I, I get that. Okay, so you're saying you I'll wrote you, what, you wrote the thing. You like the theology of it. You think the theology is sound, but in terms of method, you might not have a particular method right now that's that you think is best. Well, you know, in the um, in the United Reformed tradition or the Dutch Reformed tradition, um, they'll go over the Heidelberg Catechism questions usually in service as kind of a read and response thing every Lord's Day. And so they divided uh, the Heidelberg Catechism up into 52 sections for each week of the year. And I've done the same. Um, the, the PDF link that you have in the show notes has an appendix in which I've divided the 87 questions up into 52 sets. Okay. And my wife and I go over a set um, each Sunday after church and uh, we'll mull over the question and answer and look at the uh, uh, the Bible texts associated with it. So that's that's one way. 
um, it's a little so slow. You guys, you're not so going to memorize so your it that wife way. and you study it together. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I cut you off. Go ahead, Jordan. Sorry. No, no, no. That's, that's a that's a slow process. You probably wouldn't memorize it that way, but it's one it's one way to do it. And and you said that you the two of you do that together after church. Yes. That is very cool. So now you're still. I, I like that because you're not just doing it by yourself. And then you know, I don't know about you, but I I might open up my Bible or, or a book to read and. Five minutes into it, you know, I find my mind is totally wandering. But if you're doing it with your spouse, you're doing it with, in your case, with your wife. Um, there's almost that element of like parents doing it with your kids, but now you're, it's two adults doing it together. But there's still that sort of mutual accountability that comes from bringing another person into that process. Yeah. So, so has that been helpful for you guys? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. That's that's really actually very inspiring. I I want to try that with my own wife. Uh, maybe, um, yeah, maybe after church, why, why do you do it after church? Is it just cause you're already in that, that mindset or is that just a scheduling thing for you guys? It just works out that way. Um, yeah, I don't know, no particular reason, except that it's a day that we're already, um, you know, thinking about, uh, the, the things of the Lord, you know, we've been to church, um, and so we're kind of in, in that mindset. It's a good day to do it. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's very cool. I, I, I like that a lot. I like that idea. I'm, I'm logging that in my, um, my back pocket so I can tell my wife about that. I think that's really cool. Um, what, what was the, what was the hardest thing about writing the, the Redeemer Catechism for you? Oh, absolutely. The hardest thing was the part of the catechism that I basically had to write from scratch. So um, if, if you're looking at the sections that I've used, section three is called Law, Covenant, and Life in Christ. And um, this is the covenant, uh, this, this is the, uh, the section of the catechism that essentially replaces the um, typical section on the Ten Commandments. So most of the Reformed Protestants uh, Reformed Protestant catechisms that we know and love will have a lengthy section on the Ten Commandments, um, usually over 30 questions. Um, they'll say, you know, what is the Fifth Commandment? And then what is commanded in the Fifth Commandment? And then what is prohibited in the Fifth Commandment? And so you get a lot of questions on the Ten Commandments. And um, from a New Covenant theology perspective, that's the wrong focus uh, when it comes to how should we live? What is our guiding principle for our morals, our ethics? And so um, part three of my catechism did not, did not exist really in any prior catechisms and it, it had to be written anew. And so that was tough. I was asking myself, What's the next logical question? What questions should be included? And how should they be worded? How should they be uh, answered? And it, it took a long time. I mean, writing the catechism took me, now I, I wasn't doing this continually, I was doing it on and off, but it was about 18 months between my um, first attempt and what I considered the final draft. 
Um, so a lot of these questions. Now, you asked me before about who helped me. A lot of people actually helped me who didn't know they did because I used a lot of sources um, for writing this catechism, including um, lectures from uh, John Riesinger, um, books and lectures from Blake White, um, books from John Riesinger, um, books by, uh, or a book in particular by Steve Wellam and William Gentry, um, and um, Gary Long, Dr. Gary Long over at uh, Providen Providence Theological Institute, a uh, book by his that was extremely helpful. Um, all of these things um, were, I would, I would try to integrate them in my mind and come up with biblical answers to brand new questions that I had to, had to write. And um, so, yeah, part three of the catechism. It, people who are familiar with the catechisms will notice that the other parts of the catechisms, they're not copy and paste jobs, but they, they draw heavily on, on what has already been done. Oh yeah, the 1689 Second London Baptist Confession. Yeah, is not, that's that's a confession, not a catechism. But it's yeah. <laughs> All right. So if you if you can't see the visual right now, he's he's holding up the um, the Baptist Confession of Faith and the Baptist Catechism, which I might add is that is that the is that the 1689? This is a 1689. Yeah. Okay. This is so that when I was really into uh, 1689 uh, federalism and and uh, Baptist covenant theology. Okay, so um, I don't know if my friend Joe Thorne is ever going to listen to uh, to this episode, but uh, Joe Thorne is a 1689 Reformed Baptist, and uh, he's got a podcast called Doctrine and Devotion with Jimmy okay. Fowler. Great, great, great podcast. And these they're big 1689 guys, mm -hmm. and what a lot of 1689 guys will say is that the 1689 Second London Baptist Confession really has the same theology as the First London Baptist Confession of 1646. And um, I've I've got a copy of the sixth of the first London Baptist Confession that uh, that was revised and put into modern English, but um, I love the first London Baptist Confession. The and I by the way I love the 1689 as well. Let's see, have you got it there? Yes, I've got that exact copy. Who's that by? I need to have him on my show. Uh, you, yeah, you should. Um, Stephen Winkle. Hold on. Yeah, Steve Winkle. I, yeah. uh, he's actually based out of the North Chicago suburbs. I'm based out of Chicago, okay. uh, although I'm not there now, I'm on vacation, but, um, but yes, I need to have him on, but that copy you just held up of the second London Baptist confession. Notice it says the Baptist confession. Yeah. Well, yeah, it does. It's it the Baptist confession of faith. It doesn't say the second and it really should say the second because there are some distinctives there. There are some differences there. And I like the first one because it's very NCT. It's very new covenant. Um, friendly. Would, would you agree with that? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. And in fact, um, I, I have posted on the internet my own um, modern English version of the, uh, of the first of the 1646 London Baptist Confession. Really? Um, it, it modernizes a little more aggressively than, than Steve Wankel's. Okay. And I've put it in the open domain. Um, but uh, I, I, I should say that um, after I became after I started learning about New Covenant theology, which really happened in 2018. But well, let me step back just a little bit, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, I was a 1689 Reformed 
Reformed Baptist guy, and I really believed in that, except I was never convinced about the Sabbath. Isn't that funny? I, I, I looked right. at it, and, you know, in God's providence, one of the first um, 1689 churches that I went to, the pastor there, by the way, the pastor's name was Gene Cook, and he was also really big into pre-sup apologetics, and he had a, his own podcast at the time. This was years ago, hmm. and he would bring atheists on and do all that kinds of stuff. Oh, man, he after was, my own heart. That's what we yes, do on this show, too. Totally, totally. He was, he was quite a character, too. He was uh, saved as an adult, so he had a, you know, a different background than I did, and, and uh, he loved that stuff. He was reading Greg Bonson, and uh, he, he would bring atheists on and that kind of thing. So um, you, you would like him, but I don't think, uh, this is really old, but anyway. So he was my pastor for just a little while. Things changed. Um, the church disbanded uh, just because of some things he had on his heart. He, he wanted to, he was driving into church like two hours oh, wow. um, every day. So he wanted to set something up. So how, how does this how does this connect back to the uh, yeah. the, the Ten Commandments? Uh, because in terms of the Sabbath, the Sabbath was your sticking point, right? Like, yes. and I've I've heard you explain this too. And I thought um, on the 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 video where uh, you were sharing your story with the um, the former Adventist Foundation or, or fellowship. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Your your testimony. So so how how did you go from being a 1689 guy who had an issue with the Sabbath, supposedly now being moved to Sunday, which is what a Reformed Baptist believe. Right. How did that end up taking you over to uh, to New Covenant theology? Yeah. Yeah. So I got on a tangent, but I was just going to say that by God's providence, um, this pastor, Gene Cook, was also non-Sabbatarian. Um, and so he, he kind of explained that issue. And, you know, you look at Colossians 2, Romans um, 14, Hebrews three and four and, and all this stuff. So around 2018, I was starting to struggle with this because I was like, how can I believe that the Ten Commandments are the abiding moral law of God and not believe in the Sabbath, which I viewed as ceremonial, not moral, because I was making that distinction, when it's part of the Ten Commandments? Right. And so I was like, this is not consistent. And I don't know. Um, I actually read a book by Sam Waldron. He's a hardcore Reformed Baptist guy. And he made a strong defense of Sabbath keeping. Um, when I say strong, I mean very forceful, not necessarily very convincing. Got it. Okay. Um, because I wanted to know. And I wanted to know if I'm supposed to keep the Sabbath, if that's what God wants me to do, I should. Um, but I was also starting to discover, but I was like, I can't, I need to be consistent in my theology. And I don't know if there is a theology that captures what I'm starting to discover about the new Testament, the new covenant. And, um, and so I, I started to look into things. I knew there was something called new covenant theology. I had only read critiques of it, by the way, at that time. But I was like, maybe I should look into this. That was in 2018, maybe the spring of 2018. And I told my wife, 
I'm going to be um, kind of looking into this theology to see what they have to say, to see what their understanding is, and I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where I stand right now. And uh, I got, I just started getting a hold of things. Um, and uh, looking up guys, I discovered Fred Zaspel, um, then John Riesinger, John Bunyan Conference, uh, plenary sessions, lectures. And I, I devoured hours and hours of um, lectures from uh, New Covenant uh, theology conferences in the past. So did you ever hear of the Conversations from the Porch podcast? Did that come across your radar at all? The only thing I know about that is that I think it's a Facebook group. It is now. It okay. It uh, it, it was there was a there's a Facebook group which developed into a podcast which it, now it's just back to being a Facebook group. Okay. I was actually on that podcast uh, okay. in 20, 2016, 2017 at that time. So, okay. but um, those guys really taught me. Paul Kaiser was sort of the. Uh, the the brother who headed that up along with some other guys and uh we still keep in touch to a certain extent but but yes okay so i went down a, a similar journey mm. as you did but um jordan if i could so let me let me push back a little bit as we as we begin to bring this to a close because one of the objections that someone's going to have is they're going to hear you talking about new covenant theology and your journey and and dealing with sabbatarianism and getting into all these theologians and the first london and second london confession Here's here's the here's the issue some people are going to have. Is this not just an exercise in head knowledge? What does this have to do? What is studying a a catechism like the Redeemer Catechism, like your catechism? What effect does that actually have on our daily walk, on the heart walk, on you know following Jesus day by day? I mean, this catechism, man, it's all just a bunch of theology. And uh, I thought we we're supposed to love the Lord with all of our hearts. So, so if you could just maybe just respond to that critique that someone may have of of this being too focused on the head, not enough of the heart. Mm -hmm. So, one of the first things I would say is that you can't love the Lord your God with all your heart if you don't know Him. Oh, um, that's good. And a a catechism is just one tool uh, to get to better know your Lord, your Savior. Um, boy, I got to tell you though, in in terms of New Covenant theology specifically, and um, the the Ten Commandments are convenient because it's it's a list, and um, if you want to say, well, what how does God what does God want you to do and not do, you can say, well, the Ten Commandments, and um, you know the thing about. The Ten Commandments, though, is they were for a particular people at a particular time. Now, of course, a lot of the principles in the Ten Commandments, most of them, uh, are still still in effect, you know. But learning what the heart of New Covenant ethics is, which is love, has changed the way. I think about how I should treat other people. It has. Um, maybe not in like huge, dramatic ways, but um, I remember reading a, an article by Blake White 
where he was talking about how love and the imitation of Christ are the central pillars of new covenant ethics. And um, that is brought up, he brought up all of these scriptures. And I was like, wow, that really is it. Loving others the way Christ loved us is the heart of new covenant ethics. And one of the things that someone might say is, well, that sounds a little vague. And um, the Ten Commandments are very specific. Right. Well, there are a lot of specifics that help flesh this out in the New Testament. Um, but the New Covenant is uniquely characterized by a community of people who are born again and indwelled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we're commanded to love God with everything in us and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Um, and that's always been the case for God's people. And I think for everyone, I think that's a universal imperative by God. Um, and that's the heart of it. But that law of love, you look at the life of Christ. I mean, just think of all the scriptures, you know, be kind to one another forgiving one another uh, just as God in Christ forgave you. That's our, our attitude of forgiveness is based upon just as God in Christ forgave you. It's based upon following in Christ's footsteps. Right. And so, uh, you know, New Covenant ethics and, and just learning about theology in general it's true that learning about theology can um, it can not affect your heart if but then the, there's a problem there that needs to be addressed. You can learn theology and not love God properly but I think the inverse is not true. I don't think you can love God properly without learning at least some theology. Yeah, that's good. I like what you said before. Um, I don't remember exactly how you phrased it, but if you if you want to follow God or if you want to uh, obey God, you have to know Him. Yeah. And you know what? What is the knowledge of God other than uh, theology? Mm. It's it's not just something relegated to a dry dusty old tome on your bookshelf that looks really nice mm -hmm. it's it's a because he's a living and active god and his word is living and active studying his word studying his character and therefore studying theology is a living and active process it's a mm -hmm. it's a it's an activity where you you get it's like you know when you were dating your wife i mean yeah you're getting to know about her but you're getting to know her as well mm -hmm. and the, because God is real, getting to know God should be real like that as well. It should yeah. be living and active. I, I Absolutely. Yeah. Um, as as we um, begin to wrap this up, man, I, I feel like we could we could talk a lot more about the particulars of the Redeemer Catechism because again, as I was looking through, I saw just so much that I liked, so much that I appreciated. Let me just say thank you, Jordan, for putting this together. Mm. I. I have been wanting to create a catechism for 
um, well, so my catechism, catechism is for little kids. Yeah, it's it's called the the new the the new covenant catechism for little ones, and we nicknamed it catechids. But um, the but it's really for preschoolers and maybe you know early elementary, middle elementary. Yours is for adults, and I I thank you for putting that together because you saved me a lot of work <laughs> because I was going to have to do that, and uh, and now you've done it. So the next thing for me, I think, is I'm going to create one for adolescents, and maybe that'll be some sort of a hybrid between mine and yours. Not that adolescent is a biblical category, but something in between child and adult where where we can sort of uh, you know level up. You know, you're not a little kid anymore, but maybe you're not quite to the level of like you know. The, the full-on adult catechism. But, um, so thank you for the work you put into this. How can somebody get their hands on a copy of your catechism? I'm glad you asked. Um, so the, the Redeemer Catechism is available on Amazon in Kindle format, um, just Kindle format only, at least for now. We'll see what happens. Um, but the, the, uh, I also have um, a PDF of it and uh, I know, um, Joel, I provided you with a link, uh, download link for yep. um, the PDF. Um, and and uh, I want people to know also, um, if they get that, uh, it can be copied and given away uh, for free. Uh, there's no limitations on that. Um, the uh, It's a Creative Commons uh, copyright. Um, the only thing that's prohibited is making changes to it and still calling it the Redeemer Catechism. Um, but yeah, it is absolutely uh, awesome. uh, there for people to copy and give away. Which which, uh, which is very cool. And by the way, I, I, I did pick up the Kindle. Uh, the, I've got my Kindle right here. Cool. And I picked up the Kindle version. Um, and if you're watching on video, you can kind of, well, kind of see it right here. The, um, the Kindle version was $1. I, you can't beat that. So... You know, it's basically a nominal price. Pay the dollar. If you're listening to this, pay the dollar. Get the Kindle version. And if you, you can't pony up a dollar, get the PDF. But <laughs> read this catechism. Get to know it. I highly recommend it. I um, I didn't find anything heretical in it, um, which is which is always good. I did not. I will say I did not go back and check all the proof texts. So that would take um, a while. It would take a while, although you know what? I have had people with my catechids, catechism. Mm-hmm. I have p- had people who are doing it like um, one brother, Ken Muth, has uh, has gone and done my catechism with his grandkids. And he'll reach out to me, Joel, this this verse doesn't seem to support uh, you know this question. So I've actually had to go back and sometimes he's wrong, sometimes you know I'm wrong, <laughs> but uh, I have had to make some changes. And, you know, um, I... I, I did change one proof text last night. Really? Or, or Sunday night. Yeah, it was for question 14. Other than that, everything's the same. <laughs> okay, good. Well, well, let me tell you, um, if you ever want to get this translated into some other languages, um, there's a, a good brother, Antonio Salgado, who translated my catechism into Espanol. And another ministry, Magna Gratia, reached out to me and they ended up translating my catechism into Romanian. So, yeah, so these are, these are folks with similar theology, uh, similar, similar distinctives. Um, I bet they'd be, I I don't know. I mean, I'm not volunteering their services, but they did a great job with mine and um, they, they may very well be willing to do yours as well. So if if you want that info, let me know and I'll be happy to send that over to you and make that connection. Yes, please. Um, That'd be really cool. 
Cool, cool. All right. Um, so everybody, listen, go check out the Redeemer Catechism. You owe it to yourself. Um, if you were not catechized as a child, this is your opportunity. It's not too late to do that, to make up for lost time. And, you know, the cool thing is God's word is living and active. If you're if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you. He will he he is able to redeem the time that you've lost from not having that uh, that catechesis as a child or a young adult. And who knows what the Lord will do with that newfound theology and that newfound theological basis. Here at the Think Institute, we're always talking about laying down a strong biblical worldview. And nowadays in our society, it's never been more important than it is now. It's always been important. But right now, all around us, the world is growing more hostile to the Christian worldview. And even folks within the church are losing that foundation that we used to have of the biblical worldview. And the Redeemer Catechism, I think, is a great way to go and um, and and bolster your spiritual, your theological backbone. So, brother, I appreciate this. I just want to, if you're willing, I there were a couple of comments that came through. I want to just um, address them. Okay. And uh, one question. So, uh, would that be all right if we if we look at these? Sure. All right. So, Victoria Caldwell Crane says, "Thank you for this conversation. Um, I don't know her. Do you know who that is? No." Okay, well, Victoria, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Colleen Tinker says this, Jordan, thank you for writing this catechism. I respect your commitment to rightly dividing God's word. The new covenant is life in Jesus, to which I think we'd both say a hearty amen. But now she follows it up with this. How do you answer those who say, so now you can go out and commit adultery, cheat, and steal? And I know she's addressing here your statement about how we're not under the the old uh, covenant, the Ten Commandments anymore. Okay, right. so so in in one minute or less, because uh, I know you've given thought to this before, I could see it on your face. How do you address this objection? So, um, when I say that we're not under the Ten Commandments, what I mean is we're not under the Ten Commandments themselves as a unit in the way they existed um, in the in the old covenant. Um, many of the principles. Of that are found in the new, uh, that are found in the Ten Commandments, still carry over into New Covenant ethics. So no, it's not okay to commit adultery, cheat, and steal. Um, but the reason that's not okay isn't specifically because they're in the Ten Commandments, but it's because our life in Christ. And the love that we have for God and for each other excludes those actions entirely. And those, those principles are heartily carried over into um, the New Covenant. And there are plenty of verses from the apostles about that. But that's where we need to get our ethics as a New Covenant. Yeah, I think that's really good. And the, I mean, there, there are other questions that have been raised as well, like questions regarding sexual ethics and things like mm-hmm. that that aren't specifically addressed in the what we would consider to be the law of Christ or the the ethical prescriptions of the New Testament, but mm. in the New Testament where it says abstain from sexual immorality, if there's any question as to what that is, well, that it's what's assumed is that the old covenant standard of sexual ethics is going to carry over. Um, 
and because it's you know using the same phrase and everything else. But it is you're absolutely right when when you get into like the Sabbath, for example, Paul the the apostle explic- explicitly says he does not want new covenant Christians observing holy days and special days and things like that in yep. in the religious way. Now does that mean it's wrong? Well, let me ask you this, and this this is going to be my last question for you. Okay. Is it wrong for a Christian to celebrate Christmas or Alternatively, would it be wrong for a Christian to celebrate Passover? Um, I would say no. Um, I'm a, I'm a little nervous about celebrating Passover um, because that was specifically fulfilled. So the meaning of Passover, um, Passover is in, infused with new meaning for for us as as Christians. Um, Christmas, no, it's it's not wrong to celebrate those. It's not wrong to celebrate days. That's not prohibited in the new covenant. It's it's permissive. I'm sorry. What was that last word you said? It's, it's what? permissible. It's permissible. Permissible. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, I'll tell you. My my wife is uh, half Jewish. Her her father is uh, is Messianic Jewish and is actually a missionary to the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And her favorite holiday is Passover. And the reason why it's her favorite holiday is because the way that they celebrate it is is Christian. It's messianic. It's 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 like a more robust um I'm not going to say more robust, but it's like a very very robust taking of the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the Lord's Supper that Jesus took with his disciples in the first yeah. you know in the last supper it's literally yeah. this is my body broken for you so it's it's in no way divorced from the new covenant it's it's um very descriptive and very celebratory of the new covenant and i think um now this is my own personal uh take on this if you're going to celebrate any holiday i think you're free to do that as long as number one you don't make it a requirement you can't mm-hmm. you can't be legalistic about it, it can't be a requirement right. and two it needs to be celebrated in light of its fulfillment. So we're not waiting for the Messiah to come. We're celebrating that the Messiah has come. We're waiting for his second coming. And the cool thing, Jordan, the cool thing about the Old Testament holidays is they are messianic in nature. Mm -hmm. Passover is a hundred, it's got Jesus all over it, man. Even to the point of the blood being on the doorpost and the lintel, it forms the shape of a cross. You know, it's like, you know, the top of the doorframe and the two sides of, uh, if you were to draw a line there, it'd be a cross. And, um, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but hey, man, it's like, if you can get to the cross, get there. It's like Charles Spurgeon said in every sermon, he, whatever text he's preaching from, he makes a beeline to the cross. You should. Amen. And yeah, the Passover has definitely got Jesus written all over it. <laughs> right. So, so yeah. Okay. Well, so... Jordan, thank you so much for taking this time, man. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad you um, you reached out. I'm glad we were able to, you know, like to connect over this. And, yeah. um, you know, uh, it, it's just you're doing great work, man. Uh, keep it up. I really appreciate it. Um, for, for everyone who's listening, if you want to connect with the Think Institute, please do so. Go to thethink.institute. Check out all of our Think podcast episodes by going to the think.institute slash podcast we are on all the podcast platforms that you could ever want get the links in the description below this video and if you haven't done so yet if you're listening on stitcher or apple Podcasts or any of the other podcast apps go ahead and leave us an honest five-star rating and review it helps us get the word out about the think podcast 
And you know what? We've got tons and tons of resources for you to help you explain, share, and defend the Christian message. Go to our website and go to our courses library. We've got slideshows on how to present the gospel to Muslims. We've got uh, we've got loads of resources. And actually, you can pick up a copy of the Catechids resource that I wrote a couple years ago as well. So check that out. Check out the Redeemer Catechism from Jordan Quinley. And I know I'm forgetting something. Check us out on social media, uh, all, all the social media. Just go, go and find us. We're on there. So you know what? This is not goodbye. This has just been a little pit stop along the way of your spiritual journey. And I certainly hope you found something to, uh, to help you out in your spiritual journey. And um, that's about all we have for you. So until next time, I hope it made you think. Thanks for watching.